It's good to be here. Um, the prayer was that thank you for our willingness to be here. It wasn't hard to come. Uh, we enjoy coming. It's a beautiful ride down. And so, uh, and the rain had stopped. I was grateful for that. I was hoping we'd have had sunshine most of the way. So, uh, yeah, it's great to be here, and I hope we can have a blessed time together, and I bless you in the name of Christ, and hope His grace will be sufficient to you, and I know it will be if we apply ourselves. I want to talk about something that probably has affected all of us in a negative way and a positive way. Uh, has caused us trouble, has got us in trouble, um, and we had to wiggle our way out of it. I want to talk about the tongue. I, uh, I was curious uh, how many muscles are in the tongue. Uh, I might give you this verse or two verses and in the beginning here, it says in James 1, and I should say I've been working through or teaching through James, uh, the book of James, and this was one of the sermons that I had. Uh, James 1 in 19 and 20 says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And we know that. We've seen it in person with other people and hopefully not from us. But you know, we fail as well sometimes. We might as well admit it. It seldom brings the wrath of man, seldom brings the wholesome words or a wholesome way of protecting your comments. So, um, yeah, I was interested in how many muscles are in the tongue. Is it one piece of muscle? Or just how is it? And I've thought of the uh, elephant trunk. Now, this is a little different and maybe a little humorous, but children and maybe grown-ups play with their tongue sometimes. We do funny things. Um, it's out there, and, you know, it's the way it is. So then I thought of the elephant trunk, and I thought, um, how many muscles are in the tongue? Does anybody know? There's more than one. There's eight. Eight muscles in the, in the tongue. And so I entitled my message, The Eight Muscles of the Tongue, and my thought was to have eight positive things, eight negative things that we could talk about. But I don't know if it worked out that way. Now, how many muscles do you think an elephant trunk has? I was curious with that, and I actually looked it up. 40,000 muscles in the elephant trunk. And if you look at a picture of it, you can see why it's... A, I don't know how they ever count those or really know. 
So uh, I want to look at chapter 3 of James. Mostly talks about the tongue, but it begins out with, and I'm going to go ahead and read the whole chapter. James chapter 3 and verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth, that we may obey, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also a ship which though they be so great, and are driven with fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governeth listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members. It defileth the whole body. It setteth on fire the course of nature, and it, it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and, every, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is a very, it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Doesn't sound too good. Where therefore bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have better bitter envying and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth, descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easily to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Going back to verse 1, James says, Be not many masters, or I think it would mean, Be not many teachers. Uh, In the Jewish religion at that time, there were lots of little um, offsprings of rabbis that wanted to be noted and noticed, and they would begin their, their teaching hoping to have a following from within theirs, and they would all try to 
to get a, a following going with their with them as being a rabbi and he's James is saying here don't don't uh be not many masters, be not many teachers, knowing this, that we shall receive the greater condemnation. It puts a lot of responsibility on us that teach classes, Sunday school classes, preach. Uh, we're accountable for what we do. And I think of Howard Hendricks when he talked about a lady that said, I just cheat, teach a, a small group of Sunday school students. He said, that's all you do? You would be responsible for those in their life? And I've, you know, I thought, often thought about that. We often think when we go to teach a small Sunday school class or the young ones, it's, it's just the junior, I mean the uh, kindergarten class. But you know, you are planting thoughts in their mind that would probably go with them for a lifetime. And uh, it's not a small matter. Uh, we're accountable for those things. We, uh, me, is, are accountable for the words that I speak to you this morning. And so we need to be careful in those things. And James is just warning us, don't be many teachers. You're accountable for those those things. Matthew twelve thirty four. Jesus said, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy works thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Um, so we, we look at a serious thing there. <clears throat> I would like to look at some characteristics of the tongue, some negative, some positive. Uh, with the eight muscles of the tongue, I found it interesting also that uh, four of them are classified as intrinsic muscles, or the, the other four are extrinsic. The four intrinsic trinsic muscles act to change the shape of the tongue, the front part of your tongue. That's the, the four that... Well, they do a lot of things, um, but that's the part, and they're not attached to any bone, but the four extrinsic muscles act to change the position of the tongue, and they are anchored in the back of your mouth, I guess, somewhere to bone, and that's where it gets its anchor. We'll talk about that a little later. <clears throat> Verse 5 talks about um, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. How true, how true it is that um, the tongue is a small member of our body. It really is not a, a huge thing, but it, it does so much. And it can be such a help to each other, or it can be a discouragement to each other as well. It's a little member, and it boasts us great things. And how often our pride, and this is the first thing I want to talk about a little bit, is how often our pride do we use our tongue to achieve our hidden self-agenda. 
You've, you've probably heard people say, well, he's a good talker, she's a good talker. You know, you, you got to take with a grain of salt what they say. How often do we use our tongue to achieve what we would like to have? In Psalms 12, verse 1, it says, May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, and the tongue that speaketh proud things. I think this might have been a prayer of David, who have said, With our tongue we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Is that the attitude that we might take in our pride? That we can use our tongue to prevail, to get our way, to achieve what we want in life? And the thing that really stood out to me, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? So untrue. Our lips are not our own. They are God's. They are to be used in His kingdom work. Whether it's in our physical work out through the day or here at church, uh, it is not our own. 2 Timothy 3, 1-4 warns us to be alert at the end times. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, incontent, fierce, despisers of those things that are good, trady, headed, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. When you look at those verses... How many of those things there that he's talking about and warning us about, do we use our tongue, words, to do it? Proud, blaspheming, um, almost all of them, maybe not quite, but um, unthankful and unholy. There's just many of them, false accusers. Those are things that we use our tongue, our our mind and tongue to accomplish. These are all things that we do by word and action. James is talking to us as brethren. We, we should uh, understand that too. He wasn't talking to people that were outside of, of the church. Then, uh, we could go back. He talks here, I think, my brethren here in the uh, Chapter 2, verse 1, he talks, my brother. And in verse, I mean, in chapter 3, he also comes with, my brother. And there's four or five places through James that he's talking to the brethren. He's talking to those that are in Christ. And so we need to be careful as brethren. Sometimes we, we hear stories and things that are, are talked about in the Christian circle in the church where people have done evil with their tongue or with their lives. 
Um, and I've heard myself people talk through the week um, things that they claim to be Christians, and yet, are they really Christians with what they say? How deep, you have to wonder, is their Christianity? How deep are they with Christ, or do they have it at all? I'd say with James, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Second Timothy 4, we have this warning also. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from truth. We don't want to be a part of teachers having itching ears away from the truth, a part of pride in our words and our humanistic way of thinking. But as it says in Scripture, rightly dividing the word of truth. Timothy instructs us that as well. Number two that I had to think about is having a double standard. We come here on Sunday morning, and, and all of you welcomed me here, uh, greeted me, glad you're here. You had nice words to say, and I tried to be nice back. But, uh, you know, what is it like uh, Monday morning when you go to work? Uh, how is it through the week? We worship God here on Sunday. We've sang some beautiful hymns this morning, praising Him for what He's done for us. We've had Jared talk to us about his work and Sunday school class and so forth. Uh, It's been good to be here. Does that continue on Monday morning through Saturday? Or is there a double standard and verse 9 here talks about, but if you have... Re- no, I'm sorry, I'm in chapter 2. <clears throat> in verse 9, there were, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men which are made after the image or similitude of God. Um, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things should not be so be. Uh, And so we're instructed here, it's impossible to have both blessing and cursing coming from the same mouth, from the same tongue. I think about serving two masters. Jesus said, you'll either hate the one and love the other, We just can't have both coming out of a Christian mouth, or it shouldn't be that way. Um, Yeah, I think uh, James's statement here is an understatement, really. But then I think of my own life, or I might ask you the question, how... have you ever uh, had something bad happen suddenly? 
or someone say something that uh, hurts you, and suddenly there's, there's an evil thought comes to you. Or maybe you even slipped with some words, or at least thought them. Um, yeah. Do we ever struggle with that? Yes, I think we do. And we ask ourselves, where did that come from? You know, I don't want to live that kind of life. I don't want to live that kind of um, thing in my life. I want to be better than that. Have you ever heard the saying, sticks and bones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Is that true? No. We all know that's not true. It's a little saying that we used to say as children. You know, when somebody hurts you, you say, oh yeah, sticks and bones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. So untrue. So untrue. Um, words do hurt us. Words do make a difference in our life. 2 Timothy 2, 16, 17, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word doth eat like a can canker. And I had to think about that. Uh, their words doth eat like a canker. There's a lot of things in life, and, and we hear it from, from people at times. They say, my father or my mother, one or the other, or maybe somebody, said something to me, and I've heard this, said to me, son, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never get there. You'll never achieve under those circumstances. What a horrible thing to say. Some of those words that we might say, and, and you know, I've said things I shouldn't have to my children, but I would say any of you that say something or know you've said something to your children uh, that was not good, go back and apologize. Be man enough to go back and say something. Uh, I challenge you, and I've done this, I've went back to all my boys, don't know if Jennifer was still living, I don't think so, um, but uh, I went back to them and I asked them, is there anything that you think about when you think of dad? That comes to your mind, that I said or did negatively, and you know, there was some things. Go back and talk to them. It will make a difference. Words hurt us sometimes. There's no doubt about it. <clears throat> they have a tremendous effect on those we speak to. And some of those things can go for hurt for life. And it's hard to overcome. And so we need to be careful. And yes, if we make mistakes, we can make them right. <clears throat> we bless the people on Sunday, and so to speak, as James says, curse on Monday. Or what? worse, we bless God on Sunday and curse men otherwise. 
I guess I just feel like you can't have both. Something is desperately wrong if you can curse through the week and bless God on Sunday. Thirdly, having a lying tongue. David's prayer was, Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. You know, there's, there's a list of things that don't get to heaven. And lying is one of them. Telling the untruth. Do we? Do we ever tell the untruth? Those things can be corrected too. And we need to. A lying tongue. We need to have the prayer of David, deliver my soul from a lying lip or a deceitful tongue. It seems from looking at the commentaries that there were those who desired to be teachers and were looking for a following of people that would support their leadership, as I mentioned before. And they would teach things that sounded good and felt good to their followers. But here's where the itching ears comes in, is where they didn't really speak the truth. They leaned it their way so it would create them a following. Proverbs 12.22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are His delight. An abomination. There's numerous times that the Bible uses something that is an abomination to God. Here's one of them. An abomination is lying lips. But truth is His delight. Well, He is truth. And so why not? He would be delight in truth. Proverbs 21.6 The getting of treasure by lying lips or lying tongue is vanity and tossed to and fro to them that seek death. I think of a lady from our community that used to go to yard sales and, and uh, I wish I'd have looked that verse up. Um, and she would talk them down. Ah, that's not worth that much. And somewhere in Scripture, in Proverbs, I think, it says, uh, and then she would boast to her friends how cheap she got this at a yard sale. And yet she was devaluing it when she was buying it. And it says in Proverbs somewhere, woe unto them or something like that, to those that say, I'm going to put it in my own words. Nay, nay, you know, that's not worth much. And then it says, uh, rejoice with your friends that you got it so cheap. And it was not a good thing. It changed her view and changed her ways of doing things and yard sales. Um, A lying tongue or a tongue that causes division too. Um, James 3, 13, 16. Where there is confusion, envy, strife, and evil work. 
don't turn a blind eye to it because it doesn't come from God. Those things don't come. And, and envy and strife, evil work, confusion, a lot of those things are done in discussion, done in our talking back and forth. Uh, let's face the truth. As uh, he talks about the wisdom that descendeth from, not from above, no, but if you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. I, I think he's saying, look at the facts, look at the truth. This doesn't come from God. If you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, this wisdom doesn't descend from above. It's not part of God. It's earthly, sensual, and devilish. He has some quite strong words in here to talk to us about our tongue. And there are many other scriptures that we could look at as far as the tongue. So let's face the truth with our, our mouth, our lips, our tongue. Uh, change things where we need to do differently. As we look at uh, verse 8, we notice or we see that we have a dilemma. But the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, evil, full of deadly poison. And we say, how can we achieve? How can we ever win if the tongue is so deceitful and so awful, full of deadly poison? Where do we turn? I'd like to look at some positives now uh, about our tongue. Obviously, God is our only hope. That is our only hope of taming the tongue. It says, no man can tame it. It's, it's unruly. It's beyond our ability to take care of it. So, God is our only hope. And He is the only one that can change our life. Our sinful nature. Uh, he makes us a new creation from inside out when we ask Him to. And then we can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are a new person functioning under the power that God puts within our heart. Within our life. And if God is moving us by His Holy Spirit, then I believe, the and, and we know that, we have probably seen or known people that have been very foul-mouthed and they become Christians and suddenly you see a change. It's a beautiful thing, really. It's, it's marvelous how God can change our life and make us to... Well, we look different and we talk different. We have different actions... We are just completely changed from one person to another. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And as we talked about the extrinsic muscles that are attached and anchored in the back of our mouth, I thought of this. Uh, we must be anchored 
and God by the Spirit. That sets in motion the action of our tongue. So we need His anchoring to anchor our tongue. Um, And that's the only way. That's our only hope. Proverbs 15.4 says, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. And how, how true that is. You can meet somebody that you didn't know before and you learn to know them maybe at a wedding, at a funeral, or wherever. Uh, and you learn to know them and you sit and talk with them and they're Christians. And your spirit just meets with them. And you go away from there and you say, wow, they were just refreshing to me. It was just good to be there. Um, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. It can make such a difference to the other person. And I talked about fathers or mothers uh, making a difference in children's lives. And this is the same way. It goes both ways. Uh, we can do things that that also encourage our children cause them to want to to be like God. And maybe we could say be like with mom and dad. Hopefully we live a life that they can follow and and do that. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. I think of uh, any kind of fruit tree that bears fruit. It's a tree of life. You go there and you pick things off of it, whatever that fruit may be, and I guess I want to ask, is as the Holy Spirit directs our heart and life, can people come and pick things from us that are refreshing, that helps them, that encourages them in their life? I hope so, and I know you do. I, I feel that from many of you. Um, the last part of that verse says, but perverseness therein is a breach in the Spirit. Yes, we want to be a tree of life. Secondly, a pure speech. The wisdom that is from above is first pure. The words that come from a spirit-filled life, life of God's ministers, whether it's a father, a teacher, or us as ministers, um, that ministers to the needs of the soul of men. They come from your experience with God. And I think this is so true. How deep is your experience with God? How far have you gone with God? Are you in constant, everyday communication with Him? He's like your friend. He's like the person that well, I love being with Marianne, and we communicate back and forth. We're an encouragement to each other. I hope I am to her. Um, and is that the relationship that we have with God? You know, sometimes I do small engine repair, and sometimes I lose a little, I drop a little teeny thing out of a carburetor, and I, oh, where did that go? And you'll be amazed how far it can roll. 
And I said, God, I need your help. I've got to have that part. And he helps me. And we sort of talk back and forth. It's a wonderful thing. That's how it should be. A relationship with God that we have all the time. Uh, whether it's here at church or in our work, wherever we are. The wisdom that is from above is first pure. And it's your experience with God. Jesus said, But whosoever, in John four fourteen, Whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. A well of spring Spring water springing up. A well of water. Is that what your life is to others? A well of water? Something that they can drink from? Also Jesus said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of water. I think of Moses when he struck the rock and there was a great river. That's how our life should be, a river of water flowing for other people. If that is the case of our life, then we will touch others and encourage others. Being peaceable, gentle, and easily to be entreated. Full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Uh, As it talks here in verse 17. The wisdom that is from above. Thirdly, when we are born again in Christ, we will have that fountain of sweet water. It just has to be. Uh, We... When we are filled with Him and with His Spirit, we will be that water of sweet taste to others. Our wholesome life will affect others. God's Spirit meets people where they are. You know, I often think about we... uh, like to have outreach in our communities. We want to be a help to other people. We want to help them see God in us. But I think we have to be careful that we don't press our culture on them. Or, you know, we were taught lots of things growing up as Anabaptist people. Work ethics and things that we do and Maybe sometimes we expect a lot of those things from those that weren't taught that way or didn't have that taught in their lives as they were growing up. And so we have a hard time successfully reaching out to others when we try to impress upon them or think they should function like we do. Meet them where they are. Um, don't expect things from them that you may want for your own self. In closing here, James asks a question, who is wise among you? Who is a wise man? 
and endued or has knowledge among you. Do you feel like a wise person, a wise man, a wise woman? Well, James says, um, let that person show out of a good conversation or a good work, his works, with meekness of wisdom. You're not placing yourself above somebody or below somebody. Uh, You are walking alongside of them, helping them and encouraging them in just the simple way that you can. Let's be there for each other, whether it's in church or in our community. Let our life shine forth, our speech, our life, whatever we have. Uh, In Christ, we can be the person that he wants us to be. Let's strive for perfection. I don't think that's asking too much. Let's have a song, please. Three hundred eighty nine. Three eighty nine. Lord, speak to me. 